Hello and welcome to Calling All Detectives from otrgold.com. This episode will begin after a brief message from our sponsors. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better. And dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Calling all detectives. What would you do if a railroad told you that a 38-foot yacht was blocking its right-of-way? That is the situation on this page from my casebook, the casebook of Jerry Browning, private detective. Not everything that I, Jerry Browning, private detective, do involves crime. Some of my cases are problems in human nature. Wilbur Norris, second vice president of the Great Valley Railroad, looked upon people as a necessary evil. What he really liked was trains. About time you got here, Browning. Called you an hour ago. I came over as fast as I could, Mr. Norris. It had taken me three years to persuade the Great Valley to put me on an annual retainer fee. Now that it didn't cost extra, Norris yelled for me when the slightest thing went wrong. What's the trouble this time, Mr. Norris? Has the Great Valley lost something again? Norris chewed the ragged ends of his mustache. No, we've found something. A 38-foot yacht on our right-of-way. I made the mistake of grinning. A yacht? On a railroad right-of-way? Well, so it's funny, is it? Well, let me tell you something, Mr. Browning. You get rid of that blasted boat, or you're automatically fired, as of yesterday. When I heard that a 38-foot yacht was straddling the Great Valley's right-of-way, I made the mistake of being amused. Get rid of that boat! Sink it! Burn it! But, Mr. Norris, where is this boat? It's at Starfish Bay. Now get out of here! I plucked at the conductor's sleeve. Hey, conductor, isn't this a through train? <clears throat> well, uh, the right way is torn up between Starfish Bay and Starfish Junction, three miles beyond. It didn't take me long to discover the source of the trouble. Starfish Bay was a little inlet, part of Moon Lake. The Great Valley right-of-way cut across the tip of Starfish Bay for about 150 feet. Tracks were on a trestle, which meant that a small patch of water beyond the tracks was shut off to navigation. The station agent told me, 
Been that way for years till Cyrus Whitcomb bought the house on the inlet, had a yacht built inside the inlet, and now makes the Great Valley tear up the tracks every time he takes that tub in or out of the bay. How can he get away with that? Starfish Bay is navigable waters. There's laws about not blocking off navigable waters. Then why doesn't Norris build a drawbridge? The station agent shrugged. Why don't you ask him that? I rented a car and drove over bumpy roads along Moon Lake to Cyrus Whitcomb's house. It was on a knoll above the locked-in bit of Starfish Bay. Below it, tied up to a mooring platform, was a small yacht. Cyrus Whitcomb was a big, red-faced, genial man. Jerry Browning, eh? You work for that old pirate Wilbur Norris? I hesitated, then grinned. I think I do. Got his dander up, I'll bet. Willie always was a sore loser. Oh, so you know him. <laughs> yeah, I'll see. They used to whoop him regular when we were kids in school together, up in Duluth. What's more, I'm whooping him right now. Whitcomb glanced out at the trestle where workmen were repairing a gap in it. I uh, see they got it pretty near put together again. Guess I'll be taking the Mary Jane out of here in a few days. I decided there was nothing to be gained by beating around the bush. Mr. Whitcomb, is this a personal feud between you and Mr. Norris? Whitcomb's eyes twinkled. Well, son, you might call it a clash of viewpoints. Norris hates boats, and I... Well, I got no use for trains. One of us has to give in. <laughs> it won't be me. Back in Starfish Bay, local people filled in the picture for me. Whitcomb was a rich man. No possibility of buying him off. As for Norris, there was more than stubbornness behind his refusal to build a drawbridge. It would cost over half a million to build. Materials were scarce, and once the bridge was in, an attendant would have to be on day and night duty. I sat on the veranda of the Starfish Hotel and gazed out across the water. It wasn't just loafing. Two days of patient questioning had given me an idea. A tow-headed eight-year-old boy sauntered out of the hotel, looked at what I had set down on the porch floor. A scale model locomotive that ran on circular track and puffed real smoke. <laughs> the way it drew the boy over to me was like a magnet. You like it, Sonny? It's a model of the new engine on the Great Valley. The eyes of Cyrus Whitcomb III grew round with wonder. The next question was inevitable. Do I know the engineer? Why, Sonny, he's my personal friend. I tell you what. How would you like to take a ride in the cab of a real locomotive? Yep. Handle the controls yourself. We're going over the trestle. Well, there's your grandpa down there. Blow the whistle for grandpa. Yep. Whitcomb spotted us. And when we backed up to Starfish Bay Station, he was waiting for us with the boys' parents and the town marshal. The marshal grabbed me and the engineer the moment our feet hit the ground. And the boys set up a wild clamor, protested that he'd insisted on going for a ride, that we'd only gone back and forth across the trestle, and that the nasty sheriff was hurting his friend. <laughs> yeah, you guessed it. There were no charges pressed against us. But as I said goodbye to young Cyrus Whitcomb III, I added, 
I'm sorry you can't go on any more rides across the trestle, Si, but your grandpa's making us tear it down tonight. That was all, but it was enough. A couple of hours later, old Whitcomb joined me on the veranda of the hotel. You pulled a shabby trick, Browning. You spoiled my grandson for boats for life. He's a nice kid, Mr. Whitcomb. It's the nature of American boys to be crazy about trains. He'll love boats, too, when he's older. Whitcomb grinned. You win, of course. Would break his heart to see that trestle pull down. Besides. Yeah, but I do wish you'd waited until I got my boat outside. And I'll never get her out. Yes, you will. I've arranged for that, too. We'll take you and your grandson on a trip to the city in the cab of a locomotive. Meanwhile, we'll open up the trestle and have your captain take out the Mary Jane for the last time. Is it a deal? Whitcomb put out his hand. It's a deal. And that's how the Great Valley Railroad got rid of a yacht on its right of way. Like I said, you have to be a psychologist to deal with criminals or small boys. And you take plenty of chances when you go up against either. Listen next time to Calling All Detectives, mystery drama, mystery quiz, and a chance for you to match wits with yours truly, Jerry Browning, Private Detective. 